Have you ever been called salty? I certainly have, although I'm not sure it was meant as a compliment. Today's message today is entitled All In with Salt, Shine, and Manure. Now, I know that's kind of a weird title for a sermon, but I had originally proposed an alliteration that would sound better, which also was an S word, but for some reason, I wasn't able to secure clearance for that. So today's message, we're going to explore salt, we're going to explore shine, and we're going to explore manure. And you might wonder what manure has to do with any of this, which is a really good thing to wonder about right now, but stay tuned, we'll get to it. We're in the section known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Now, he shares these beatitudes with the disciples, these sayings that begin with, blessed blessed are thee who are these things. Truth be told, they really don't make any sense to many of us and are profoundly countercultural. They're hard sayings. But right after he says them, he pivots from the third person to the second person, and he's addressing everybody. And that's you, and that's me, and that's our faith community of Hyde Park. And I'd like for you to close your eyes just for a minute. I mean, really do it. And hear again these words that are coming straight out of the mouth of Jesus to our ears today. You are the salt of the earth. You see, Jesus is calling you and our faith community to be salty because we are salt. Now, salt's on every dining room table, probably on yours right now. It's ordinary and abundant. It makes food better by brightening and sharpening the flavors that are already present in the food. It's properties enhance. Now, first century people hearing Jesus would know that this is an enhancer, but what was more important for them was salt was a preservative. Remember, no refrigeration back then, and salt protected food from spoiling. It was expensive, highly valuable, and really precious to the culture. Now, there are other ways that this metaphor would have been meaningful to the Hebrews since salt was used for ancient sacrifice in the Old Testament, but we don't have time to review that. And quite frankly, the majority of you would be super bored if I went down that route. So in short, here it is. Salt was and is a small thing of great value. It was a preserver and an enhancer, but it was also used for something else. McGray sent this to me and it was fascinating. I want you to hear Luke's version of this in chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? Okay, that's the same. We know that, but here's where it's different. It is fit for neither the soil nor the manure pile. They throw it away. Let anyone with ears listen. Quick side note. Now, I checked the many translations. I did a Google search. I probably spent way too long to see if I could find that S word for the alliteration I wanted. I didn't, so manure it is. You see, salt is useful on manure. It breaks it down. They would use it back then. So when the manure had salt mixed into it, the output of crops would be double or triple. You might say that salt makes manure better. That's what God and the people of faith are called to do. Now, I want you to say this with me. I am salt. Go ahead, do it. I am salt. You are called to be an enhancer of what is already present in this world, in your life, and in the community. You are called to be a preserver of the things of God in this world so they don't 
spoil. And Jesus is strangely suggesting that you can be a part of making manure useful. You're to be salt on other people's manure. You're to be the salt on the communities and the world's manure. Enhance, preserve, fertilize. Make manure useful for God. That's what it is to be salt. So be salty. And there's also a pattern that helps too. We're going to talk about it soon. Jesus is calling you and our faith community to not only be salty, but to shine because we are the light. I'd like you again to close your eyes just for a second and hear Jesus' words. You are the light of the world. Now, as you can imagine, light was pretty important back in the first century. It was a dark world in so many ways, just like now, but what they didn't have was, were ways to illumine the night without fire, lamp, or candle. A little light made a huge difference. To hide or to waste a candle or a lamp would be absolutely stupid at best and dangerous at worst. But that's not all. Rome and the emperor proclaimed to be the light of the entire world. Jesus counters that assertion. And he declares that he and his followers were fulfilling what Israel's purpose was in the Old Testament, being a light to all nations. Now this must have seemed a little ridiculous to people hearing it. These band of wandering fools following Jesus probably couldn't imagine themselves being this powerful, but they were, and you are too. Not because of you, but because of the light within you, placed in you before the foundation of the world by God the Creator. And together, we burn more brightly. You gotta be salty, and you gotta shine. That's who we are. Now, Jesus was also legitimately concerned with his disciples and his followers that they're going to lose their essential saltiness and hide their light. That's what he's talking about. And we should be concerned too that it can happen to us. It probably does. It's happened in my life. probably happened in yours. Many believe that this warning stemmed from the eventual persecution that, they would, that would come their way for their faith in Jesus. And Jesus mentions it in the three preceding verses. Now, there are places in the world where people are experiencing intense persecution for their faith, but but that's not our situation, right? There are things and situations, though, that can erode our saltiness and erode your saltiness and your shine. I want you to ask God, what in your life right now is blocking you from being useful? What is preventing you from shining God's light? There's a pattern that can help. Now, my weekly men's group, and I talked to some other folks too, we wrestled with this question, right? And we came up with these things that are like blocks. Procrastination, anxiety about the future, overscheduling, ever do that? The social stigma or shun from sharing about your faith or your involvement in a church, being lazy as all get out. Focusing on the kids, that can be a thing too. Thinking um, that you don't know about enough about faith, Jesus, the Bible, or whatever. Some of us have hurts and hang-ups and addictions. Or we believe that we're too broken to serve. Or we hold this erroneous belief that we're not good enough. We have too much debt. We have bad relationships. Or the, maybe the worst of all is the lie of self-sufficiency consumes us. I'm sure you could add to this list. And no matter what blocks you have, I want to tell you, Jesus can meet you there. Now, there's a biblical pattern. I've said it a couple times to deal with this kind of stuff. And it's a pattern that will change your life. It'll make you more salty for sure. And God's light will shine as a result. Now, just this week, while I was wrestling with this message, a friend shared with me a story about her daughter. Now, she grew up in this church, 
and she is now a young adult living in another city with a fantastic career in fashion. She's doing very well, in fact. And when she made the move, she did it during the pandemic. And she asked her mom to get in touch with me to ask about some churches in this new city. So she started attending online, moved to this new place, didn't know anyone, whatever, whatever. And, but there was something that started as a passion in her life that became a problem. And the problem began to take hold in her life and was something she couldn't stop. She actually named it as a compulsion and an idol in her life. And here was the problem, her monthly spending on clothes and accessories. It was, a, it was a thing for her. The behavior was eroding her saltiness. She could see it in the way she felt about herself. And it was coming between her and her God, and her, God her relationship with God. Others didn't even really know about it. And the bottom for her was perching this accessory for a couple thousand dollars. And she found out that it was counterfeit, but she was too late. She missed the deadline to get it authenticated, which means she had to eat the loss. Whether she returned it or not, she wasn't going to get her money. It hit her hard, and it was her own pile of manure to deal with. Now, ironically, during that time, she had been thinking about tithing. Why? She had remembered that her parents were faithful about tithing. She remembered that she learned about it in this church growing up here, and she told her mom that she was giving herself all these kinds of excuses, that she had been thinking about it, but she couldn't because she had to recover from the loss, and she had just moved and took on all these new expenses. Rent was double. She was buying stuff for the new apartment or whatever, and it, and it was just consuming her. But a few Sundays ago, while sitting in that new church, listening to a sermon during the church's generosity series, you can't make this stuff up, God did something in her. And she was sitting there, and she reviewed how much in her mind for her, it would be to tithe. And then she was struck. She spent more than that money without a thought every week on clothes and accessories, without a second thought. And she was inspired by God in that moment to take a leap of faith. She, she told herself, I, I've decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it no matter what. You see, to be salt and light for this world, God calls us to invest in the things that we actually can steward. And that's our time, and that's our talent, and that's our treasure, and we gotta do it for God. That's the pattern that this young adult learned through her parents in this church, and every person will have to deal with manure in their lives. You, me, everyone, the stuff we've created with our own actions or that people have put on us, or the stuff that was dumped on us as just circumstances beyond our control. Here's the point. The point is that we've got to invite God in to that because God will use it. God will put salt on it so something can grow for the kingdom of God. I want to invite you to think about some, taking some steps in these areas. Your time and your talent and your treasure. Your time. You're here. You're investing time right now. That's beautiful and that's great. Is it, is it a time when you can take the next step in your small group? Your talent. Maybe that you're doing like great things in your lives for your family and for maybe your job, but maybe it's time to take some of those talent that God has, has kind of orchestrated in you and invest it in the church to attract more people to Jesus Christ. And lastly, your treasure. Maybe God is inviting you to take a step towards a bigger investment for God's kingdom. And you can do that through submitting the estimate of giving a card. Every amount makes a difference so that we can make God's love real. I guarantee God will use your investment 
for good. Here's why it all matters. People will be drawn to the love of God revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus through you, through us. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That's what Jesus says. Friends, be salty. Deal with your manure and shine. Let's pray together. God of light and of love, God of salt, the preserver, the enhancer, the fertilizer, the one who shines in and through us and in spite of us, we pray boldly that you would take what we have, which is our time and our talent and our treasure, and make it your own. Mold it so more people will come to find you, to know you, to live out your love. We ask all these things in the power, in the power of the light that resides within us. It is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.